T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Philadelphia police releasing new haunting video where you see a gunman waiting for a 17-year-old girl who was out walking her dog, waits for her to pass by before he gets out of a car and shoots her dead on a Philadelphia street. It is just creepy video to see this. Philadelphia police obviously releasing this in hopes of getting some tips on who would do this as Philadelphia's murder rate rises to historic levels in the city of Philadelphia. Hello, I'm Dawn Stensland. You can find me on Twitter at Dawn Stensland. And this is The Dawn Show. We're live, we're local, and we have so much to update you on as, yes, the FBI searching a home in Chester County in hopes of coming up with some clues, some answers, some Some new breakthroughs in the case of a missing Delco woman, a mom, young mom. We'll have that update today. And yes, we'll also update you on the story of the the city now saying, we're sorry because why city workers were sent to weed whack some what they thought were weeds. In fact, a valuable crop. And this thing has gone viral. People are furious. But I want to begin with inspectors on the scene of a, a large row home that just collapsed. The Fishtown section of Philadelphia, uh, just kind of a shocking situation that you would have a, a building, a huge building, three-story building, and a, a popular pizza shop in there now destroyed. This is devastating, but also raises concerns and questions. Where's L&I in all of this? Has the pandemic created a situation with short staffing, with maybe less inspections where we would see a collapse such as this. Listen in. This is NBC 10 News. Deanna Durante reports with the latest. From the air, it's a stack of metal, shattered windows and snapped wood. The three-story building that sat at York and Memphis was a longtime pizza shop. Workers were just steps away from heading inside when the police vanished. My mother and father built this in 1986. Immigrants from Greece, they put their whole life in there. They raised all three of us on this house, on this... Said. While Stefanos Haveris no longer runs the pizza shop, he still owns the building. Not that there's much left of it. Thank God no one got hurt. The apartments upstairs were empty. The city says work was happening on the lot next door. Excavation had been ongoing. The site did have permits, but inspectors want to know if that work 
destabilize the ground between the two structures. It's sad, really sad for the neighborhood. The neighborhood is changing, and with it, more construction. Some say they've already lived with property issues, thanks to rebuilding nearby. It is what it is in the neighborhood. This woman didn't want her face shown, but claims she and her neighbors had damage when a construction project touched against their row homes in the last few years. Others say something needs to change. should be a reminder to the mayor's office that that's, this, is a, this is another example of why we need to do a better job. Do a better job. You know, this is something that has gone viral, making national news with the, the site of this huge building just collapsing. And as you hear residents trying to be positive, saying, thank God, thank God, we didn't have injuries. But there is devastation to a community and certainly for this popular business. And we're following that one as inspectors search the rubble and search for answers in that one. Another story that I know you care about and Philadelphians and and the entire, you know, entire nation has been watching the case of two young state troopers, Martin F. Mack III, who was just 33 years young, Brandon T. Siska. 29, as well as a 28-year-old man they were trying to help on I-95. You remember the story well as they were crashed into and killed, their lives taken from them that day. And so now the woman accused of homicide in that deadly I-95 DUI crash that killed two state troopers as well as the pedestrian they were trying to help in South Philadelphia earlier this year, she's now free on bail. So we've learned that Jayana Tanay Webb, she has been able to post that 10% of a $600,000 bail and got out yesterday. She's 22 and is accused of, of striking these three young men, including our Pennsylvania state troopers, who many of you in the community still continue to mourn. So this happened back in June. Uh, the Philadelphia DA's office had refiled third-degree murder charges against Webb shortly after a judge dismissed it. It was considered a, a debacle and another situation that was blamed on on Krasner's DA's office and, and Philadelphia. But uh, now we know that the Philadelphia DA's office did indeed f- refile those third-degree murder charges against 22-year-old Jayana Webb, accused of drunk driving on I-95 going about reportedly some 80 miles an hour and striking and killing those two state troopers as well as the pedestrians. So the DA's decision happened an hour after the judge dismissed the murder charge. And that was a a story that many in the community were reacting to. So she's now free on bail, obviously, as she's facing trial in this critical case. So we follow that one for you as well. Uh, Philadelphia Brewery is getting an apology, losing tens of thousands of dollars, they say, after a huge city of Philadelphia mistake. So, yeah, city crew went out there with weed whackers. Oh, my goodness. Listen in as 6ABC News reports on this. Philadelphia Brewing Company's Hop Garden is in ruins after this happens. Listen in to the latest report. To come in yesterday to to this, it was 
it was sad. Philadelphia Brewing Company's Hop Garden is in ruins. This is what it looked like before the city brought in a team of weed whackers to cut down more than six months of hard work. You can walk around any neighborhood in the city and there's a million lots that are overgrown and trashed and whatever. We have a sign that says what we're doing. Co-owner Nancy Barton tells me the city issued a violation for overgrown vegetation and had an inspector come out to verify that it was in fact a garden they were maintaining. He came back out. He said, I get it. I see what happened. Um, violations closed, no fine, cases closed, you guys are good. But the city's community life improvement program came back Tuesday and removed almost all the hops. A city spokesperson released this statement saying, quote, regrettably due to miscommunication and staff error, the hops were removed as they were initially marked as a violation as it appeared the lot was overgrown. It's pretty sad because they were looking healthy this year. Now customers will have to wait until next year for their limited release pale ale called Harvest from the Hood. It was my favorite beer. I'm sad it won't be making a return this year. Barton says it's going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars in lost revenue. Is there anything the city could do to rectify this? Reimburse us for our losses? Yeah, and in fact, the city, we're now told that uh, the city of Philadelphia is working on that and they've apologized. They say they're they're deeply sorry. They don't know what happened. And if you saw the video, the images, you could see that this garden is, first of all, it wasn't the city's to to destroy the garden. But beyond that, it's well marked. Uh, this was a, a well-kept garden and, and was clearly a garden. That's what's weird about it. So we're following that one. You know, I'll, t- I'll take you back to the beginning of the pandemic when we were just trying to wrap our brains around what was happening. And remember this, we were told at first the schools were going to be canceled. I remember as a parent thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, the kids get like a a two-week break. Isn't this going to be fun? (laughs) And that was just the beginning to think about the early days of the pandemic. And then we heard about a a luxury diamond princess cruise ship. Do you remember this back in in the early day? This was early 2020. And I, I take you back for a moment and back in time. And initially we talked about it. Say, oh, well, that would be fun. Oh, you're stuck on a cruise ship. But it really was the cruise from hell or a hell of a cruise as now it's being called. This is, we want to welcome in Emmy Award winning director, uh, Nick Quested, who's here to talk about, this is a part of Peacock's Doc Fest, Hell of a Cruise, a new film from our award-winning director here. Nick, thanks for, for joining us to tell us about this. And really, you're pulling back the curtain, as as you say, on this two-week nightmare for people. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time out for us. Oh, thank you for having me. So, yeah, so the film is about... The film starts off with the experience of the passengers on the Diamond Princess who were on a luxury cruise in Southeast Asia. A man boards... Uh, in Japan and and disembarked four days later, but he had had COVID. And the boat keeps on sailing for seven days. And uh, and once the once the Japanese authorities knew the man had COVID, they quarantined the boat. So in the end, 700 passengers uh, ended up testing positive for COVID and, and 12 died. But that's just the beginning of it because the ships kept sailing. And... There was no guidance from the federal government or the CDC for, met for a very long period of time. And, 
And there was COVID on many ships that we followed, and they kept on sailing. Oh, my goodness. So take, it th- take us through this. It's a great idea, I think, for, for a, a documentary to take a look at this and take us back. You know, to think, and I, I think for, for a lot of people, because we've, we've all been self-involved and talk about, oh, it's been hell and, and our kids couldn't go to school. So in a way, I think people will watch this and maybe feel better. Well, at least I wasn't on the Diamond Princess because take us through some of this. What, what, what the crew, well, what the absolutely. captain. absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that's going to evoke a lot of memories for people because remember when you didn't know mm-hmm. what, um, remember going to the supermarket and putting gloves on and wearing a mask and, and you know, being, being in a heightened state of um, awareness just to go to the supermarket. But these people, you didn't, you didn't feel the proximity to COVID in the way these passengers did. It was, they would be talking to their friend and suddenly their friend coughed and, and then they weren't there anymore. They'd been taken off the boat to a hospital in Japan. So they really felt that as the hours passed, that they were in a Petri dish and that they were just waiting to become infected, get sick and and potentially die. Oh, my goodness. Now, how did you how did you find this some original? In other words, this is not a reenactment. This is a documentary. So you found original. No, no, we we specialize in making these immersive documentaries. So uh, my partners, uh, Mehdi and Brett from Matt Projects, they brought me the footage and said, well, what do you think of this? And it was the beginning of the pandemic. And and we wanted a way to be able to personify the beginning of the pandemic. And the Diamond Princess is the first super spreader event that happened outside of China. And it's most certainly the first one where we have any insight into the disease. And the doctors who, who were sent to repatriate the patients by the, um, the assistant secretary, Dr. Robert Cadillac, the, the, iron, well, the, the, the tragedy is that they said to me, and you hear this in the film, we knew everything we needed to know about COVID-19 after we left the Diamond Princess. We knew how infectious it was. We knew it was transmitted by aerosol. We knew its morbidity rate. But still, knowing all these things and having a, a clear and detailed statistical analysis of what happened with COVID-19 on a cruise ship, the country still divided over very simple things. Instead of treating it like a in, the, the country through the executive branch of the government and the CDC treated this as a, as a PR crisis rather than a public health emergency and the country polarized over what are very simple public health issues. Oh my goodness. And that's when I talked about the original footage and the fact that you interviewed passengers, this is to me of historical significance. I'm referring to your documentary. This is pristine journalism, if you will, to me. Because it's it's giving us a glimpse of something. If only we had treated this differently and looked at this as factual information that we all could have learned from. Imagine, perhaps it could have saved lives. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, we have a little we're a little glib sometimes, but you know, these type of instances. I, I think this is interesting. Politics is history in real time, mm-hmm. and we managed to capture a moment. So we're on that cusp of 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 being able to explain you know that that moment in history
Yes. And what also was interesting that many of the passengers you interviewed and for this for this documentary said they they would be willing to go on another cruise. That must have been surprising. I was very surprised by that. And I ask all the passengers that. Um, But I think the world divides into cruises and not cruises. And this film isn't uh, designed to to advocate for cruising or not cruising. It just details the response that the cruise industry, the federal government and the CDC um, provided. Um, You can make your own choices from there. now we can have there's a bigger conversation to be had about um, you know fair and balanced approaches to um, stories, which is inc- inc- increasingly rare in um, in in America. But um, you know we try to create a fair and objective uh, picture of what actually happened there using the the footage from the passengers themselves and and detailing their experience and put it in context. And. You know, you call this uh, as we as we talk here to award-winning director Nick Quested. You call this, in fact, the the first real hotspot of COVID. Can you talk about that yeah. and and just take us through some of the historical significance of the situation? Paint a picture, if you will, of what what viewers see during your documentary. Yes, yeah, so this was uh, the Diamond Princess was the first super spreader event outside of China, and it's the first uh, COVID event that we had any type of accurate, uh, unfiltered ability to assess. So the um, so uh, and then you see this 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 incident through the the self shot footage of the passengers on the boat. So you really get as close as you possibly can to feeling what it was like for these passengers um, as as COVID is, you know, ripping through the boat and they're sequestered to their rooms. And you understand why they were afraid and uh, because they had no idea what COVID was at that time. Yes. I mean, it became, you, you describe it as an infested jail. Well, we thank you so much. We we may maybe people may not recognize um, your voice, but you know we recognize you as well. You were the documentary documentarian that was, of course, inter- interviewed during the January six hearings. I wonder if you can compare and yeah. contrast sort of January sixth and looking at that not through a political lens, but just a pure factual lens, and what we can what we can learn throughout history with just following facts. Is there a, a, something that you could leave us with? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's important to present the facts uh, in as unbiased and, and um, objective way possible. And I, as I we just briefly mentioned, I think that that it's increasingly rare in America to have a centrist, unbiased opinion because news now is about mm-hmm. uh, building audience. And if you have an audience, then you you present stories that confirm the biases of your audiences, so that they choose they tune in again. So yes. um, we hope that you know we can find more. You know, we hope we can make more films that present these you know centrist, unbiased opinions. Yes, or unbiased facts, not opinions. 
Well, Nick Quested, thank you. You've been so gracious with your time, and we appre- we appreciate you. And certainly, I look forward to seeing this two-hour documentary. Uh, first time, really, seeing that original footage and seeing what happened inside the hell of a cruise, as it's called. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Screening on Peacock right now. Yes. Peacock Network. I've got it. Thanks, Nick. And so, yes, part of Peacock's DocFest. I told you about this yesterday, and I just love this. I love documentaries, anything with that original footage. And I think it's important to, you know, as, a, as somebody, as a journalist, to look at these, um, look at these events in history with an objective eye and, and maybe a fresh, a fresh look. And you think about this, if only the, the news and what they had garnered from what happened aboard that cruise ship, if only we could have gotten that kind of uh, detail that they had, as you just heard Nick say, what a difference. And could it have been a, a game changer in the nation and maybe in the world? So sometimes the, the facts before us, they're right there in our face. And we're just not, um, we're not paying attention. So we're on the Dawn Show here, always paying attention. And we're going to take a quick break, be back with another developing story for you locally right here. After all the horrible, you know, unfortunate economic news that we've had, and now everybody's bracing for the Fed to raise rates, today should have been a, a victory lap for President Joe Biden as he helped, reportedly helped avert this rail strike, which would have been devastating to our economy. And so good for, for President Joe Biden that he, he was able to, I, apparently he was directly involved in these, in these union talks. And so this is big after, of course, Biden even was, was criticized a bit by CNN during their live coverage when you saw President Joe Biden and, and our governor, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, all celebrating uh, about the Inflation Reduction Act. And this, as you remember, the Dow was just crashing down 1,250 points. And so it was a poorly timed party, to say the least. And so the fact that, that the union now, it looks like they're, they're going to get higher wages and we're averting this rail strike amid shipping issues and all of that, this should be a day where President Joe Biden could take that victory lap and feel good for the day. But now comes Hunter. So Hunter Biden dominating some headlines here, making national news. Why? Because apparently Hunter Biden making um, the case in court that he's trying to get his child support payments for his four-year-old love child. He wants those payments lowered. He claims a substantial change to his, quote, financial circumstances. And this is according to the latest court documents as filed by President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, who's 52 years old. And he's asking an Arkansas judge to recalculate these child support payments that he makes to London Roberts. She's 31 years old, and she's the mother of the daughter that reportedly Hunter Biden has never met. We, we don't believe that, in fact, President Joe Biden or First Lady Jill Biden have ever met this grandchild, this granddaughter. And this is all according to the, the court documents. And the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, so this is an Arkansas local paper that obtained all of these court filings, 
and is now publishing them. And now this is making national news. So in the court documents, Hunter cites a substantial material change in his financial circumstances, circumstances, including but not limited to his income. And that's why he says that he just can't afford the child support for his four-year-old child, who you, you may recall this whole hot mess, if you will, was what triggered um, the, the feds investigating because, because the, the baby mama, as I'll, as I'll refer to her, the mom in this case, London Roberts, she and her attorneys had, had sued for child support. He refused to admit that this was his baby. And he refused any child support. So I just want you to think about this. The fact that you have Hunter Biden investigated in the, in the news and the fact that, you know, Republicans have said, hey, if we get in power and we get control in Congress and we get the Senate and so on, we're investigating President Biden and his son Hunter. None of that would be in the headlines or known about except that Hunter initially, initially had fought child support. And so the way that all of the, a lot of this disclosure got into the courts was because London Roberts had sued for child support. And that sparked a trigger for a court order to say, no, 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 Hunter Biden needed to release his financial disclosures for many years. And that's how this all became public. This is the root of it. And so here we are again, if you can even imagine this. If you were, I don't know, maybe the president's son and, you know, your dad is, you know, he's he's been having a tough time in the polls and being criticized and so on and so forth. You would think that you would just shush up and pay the child support for your child with a former stripper. But no, he went to court and he's fighting this. He's fighting the child support. And this is uh, this is the situation. So we're learning more about this. And a statement, here's a statement that says, like many other individuals whose child support obligations were calculated before the new guidelines took effect, Mr. Biden has asked this court, Mr. Biden being Hunter, asked this court to review the existing child support's determination and to establish an amount of child support that actually complies with the current guidelines and the circumstances. And so the, this is part of the motion by Hunter Biden filed in Independence County. Uh, where, which is, of course, where Roberts lives with her daughter, whose name is Navy Joan. And then I guess mom re- re- released some pictures of she and her gorgeous little girl, who apparently the, the father, the biological father, as proven through DNA evidence. This was all court ordered. And so uh, the, the judge now has to rule on this. But the statement released says, ultimately, this is going to require us to look deeply into Hunter's finances. I'm going to want to have a deposition with Hunter Biden. And like last time, I'm going to bring for a forensic accountant to the deposition unless the judge tells me I can't. So this is the latest and lovely pictures of this, like I say, of the gorgeous mommy and gorgeous daughter. So Hunter's uh, claim of financial woes comes after he published a tell-all memoir just last April that detailed his drug and sex-fueled past. This is the first son stating that uh, he was selling his own paintings and unloaded at least five of them for $75,000 a pop before they were shown at a New York City gallery. But now he says he's cash strapped. And part of the problem, of course, 
is that even as Matt DeSantis during the commercial break, our producer was saying, all you see all over the Internet are pictures of Hunter Biden in some fancy, expensive, beautiful race car with his beautiful young new wife, et cetera, et cetera. But here we go again, making headlines. At this moment, I actually feel sorry for President Biden. I I don't know. Do you feel sorry for him? 855-839-1210 is the number to call. I don't know. If Hunter Biden was he, what was what did he have a Porsche or a Mercedes or maybe it was a Maserati? It was a Porsche. It was a Porsche. It was a very nice Porsche. It was a beautiful thing. You want that Porsche? I desperately want that Porsche. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, maybe not Hunter Biden's. No, like, not who his. Who knows what the inside looks yeah, like? Yeah, it would but, be. Yeah, yeah, that that model. I'll yeah, take. that model. We we all want those luxury cars. And if you too want a brand new beautiful Porsche, maybe you can check in with. My friends from the Piazza Auto Group, they're always here to assist you with any and all of your automotive needs. And of course, Piazza has grown to now include Piazza Premium Automobiles with brands such as Land Rover, Jaguar, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, Alfa Romeo, Maserati. I was behind a Maserati on the road yesterday on the Schuylkill, and this thing just moved. And I'm in my, my minivan, that old minivan. I'm thinking, oh man, I wish I could identify as a Porsche driver. I got it. I got to get one of those. So maybe that's where you're at. You're thinking about that Porsche, that Maserati. They're so beautiful. You've worked for it. You've earned it. They're in Pennsylvania, Northern Delaware. Just uh, visit them online, PiazzaPremiumAutos.com. For a location nearest you, Piazza, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, PiazzaPremiumAutos.com. Make sure you tell them Dawn sent you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. In Philadelphia, the council members... I'll talk about this later, but I just want to put this in local context as in Philadelphia council members coming out trying to say that they want to create an environment in the city of Philadelphia that no matter what abortion is readily available. And even some city council members, you know, going public, talking about when they had their abortions, which was, yeah, I don't know, that was quite personal when they when they went there. So I'll put that to the perspective of a, a national national um, perspective of Senator Maisie Hirono, who's a Democrat from Hawaii. Rizzioli loves to talk about Maisie. And she's uh, calling the political left's opposition to Republicans' pro-life agenda literally, and I'm quoting here, a call to arms in the country during her remarks yesterday on the Senate floor. And this is disturbing. So I want you to listen to her. And and this is a a United States senator speaking publicly 
And this is on the Senate floor. Listen. When I hear my colleagues talking about how, you know, it should be states' rights or uh, government should not be telling us what to do, the word hypocrites, it doesn't even go far enough to call them out on what they're doing. This is an outright attack on women in this country. That is how I see it. That is how more and more women and those who support our right to make decisions about our own bodies. That is how we see it. And why? <laughs> because that's what's happening. Madam President, I yield the floor, but clearly, you know, this is a um, literally call to arms in our country. Yield the floor. A call to arms. What does she mean by that? So Fox News, I I know, is one of the outlets that reported yesterday there have been no arrests made in connection to the attacks of pro-life centers, even though the group Jane's Revenge has reportedly claimed responsibility for, and I'm quoting here, at least 18 acts of vandalism and arson across the nation in the name of abortion rights. And we've heard about some of these attacks here in our region of course, and, and across, uh, across the country. But this is concerning after churches and pro-life pregnancy centers and organizations have come under attack following, of course, the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade. And I know that uh, Catholic Vote is one group. Susan B. Anthony List is another. They say that dozens of centers were attacked since the early May leak of that draft of the Supreme Court opinion on the court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. So that was even the leak. And then the ruling happened as well. I think this is outrageous. And if somebody from the right does such a thing, I will call it out as well. But our elected officials should not use such language, especially during these divisive times. I mean, never use that kind of language. When you say a call to arms, what do you mean by that? And where is the mainstream media questioning her, calling her office, saying, hey, what did you mean call to arms? Do you mean get out and and vote on November 8th? That's what she should have said. She should have said if, if she wants to you know, talk about this, say, I hope this is a call for everyone. Everyone go to the polls, make your voice heard and vote on November 8th. That would be an appropriate way to say such a thing, right? And I would say the same thing to anybody who who riots in the name of, you know, whatever cause, whether it's it's um, rioting in the name of George Floyd, even George Floyd's own family said, no, not appropriate. Please don't commit violence in the name of of George. Even his family came out and said that I would say it equally to those who rioted at the at the Capitol January 6th. No, that was not appropriate. Was it appropriate to march? Sure. Was it appropriate for the majority of folks who went to a a Trump rally? Sure. That's appropriate. Free speech. But when anybody turns violent, then then all of a sudden it becomes a violation of everything we believe in. So where where are the folks coming out saying, hey, Senator Senator Maisie Hirono, you are this is way over the top and this is inciting. You are inciting violence. Why aren't they accusing her of that? Hmm? So no violence 
is a, you know, violence is never appropriate in any form. And I'm saying it consistently across the board, the way that we make our voices heard and known the next time we can do that in an important way, a critical way is Tuesday, November 8th. That's appropriate. And that would have been appropriate for this senator to say that. But for her to talk in this way, a call to arms and in the tone and the context within which she said it, this to me is inciting violence. Now, the FBI has released a statement and repeatedly has said that the FBI takes all threats seriously. We continue to work closely with our law enforcement partners and remain vigilant to protect our communities. We would like to remind members of the public, if you observe anything suspicious or you have information about potential threats, report it to law enforcement immediately or call your local FBI field office. And they even went so far as to release a website. You know, you can go to tips.fbi.gov. So, you know, if you know of somebody who's planning violence against a church or a pro-life center or, a, a you know, any Catholic center, for example, then the FBI wants to hear from you because we want to avoid the violence. But here's a United States senator. And where where is the outcry? Why is why is this woman not being called out? The senator being called out? She should indeed be called out. Now, coming up, I'm going to update you on the latest with Senator Rand Paul. Oh, going at it, threatening uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh, it was testy. You're going to love to hear this one as Senator Paul and Dr. Fauci go at it. It's a hot, hot Senate hearing, and you're going to hear it right here, coming right up. But I want to remind you, the Bat Park Sportsbook and Casino app, it's everything you want in a digital casino and sportsbook. So you can join Bet Parks. It's the only casino and sportsbook app that I've recommended. And Parks, P-A-R-X, they're local, local employer in Bucks County. And I love football, whether it's college football. You know, I love high school football, but Parks is talking about college football, pro football. You can bet the birds every week. Of course, we're uh, facing off with the Vikings next Monday. But bet Penn State, Notre Dame, all your favorite college teams. Bet Parks is also an official betting partner of the PGA Tour. Live in-game betting. And you can bet on the action while it's happening, which is a lot of fun. Bet all your favorite sports. Play all your favorite casino games for real money. You can download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, or betparks.com. New users, you make your first bet risk-free up to $750, and then your risk-free bet is refunded in site credit. It's a sportsbook and casino all-in-one amazing app. You must be 21, of course, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, or I should say Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. So John Favreau is in the news. No, not the, not the famous. I guess this would be the lesser John Favreau. So when I think of... John Favreau, I'm, I'm not thinking about an American political commentator or podcaster who was a speechwriter for President Barack Obama. I was actually thinking of the John Favreau who's famous and he's in all the comedy shows, right? He's Iron Man. Is that Marvel? Right. Many, many movies. And you see him. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the famous John Favreau. I'm talking about the John Favreau who's much younger and was a speechwriter for President Barack Obama. So the John Favreau, who shared the results of a focus group where not one of nine people could name their representative in Congress. And this is kind of it might be kind of amusing to you. It's it's a little bit hysterical here. So let's listen in as um, this is the, he's being interviewed 
by MSNBC's Alex Wagner last night, and they were discussing their their tour across the country to talk with prospective voters who do not follow the issues very closely. And so this is a clip that Favreau shares with the host and showing that there are a lot of Americans who are pretty much uh, checked out. Listen in. How many of you plan on voting in the midterm elections this November? What is that? Who is your member of Congress and do you think they're doing a good job? I don't know anyone in Congress. Yeah. Okay, that's, okay. that's totally fine. Does, any, does anyone know who their member of Congress is? I stopped. No. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Did they give out like ice cream or anything at the end? I don't know. It's hysterical that none of them are involved. And, you know, Wagner, the host of the the MSNBC, because this is horrifying and not good news. If you are watching this and and you uh, hope that the Democrats sweep in the upcoming, what are we, 54 days? I should know this because all the networks now have a clock, the countdown clock to the midterms. But, you know, November 8th is coming. And so this is just a nightmare. If you are looking at this, that people don't care, they're kind of checked out. And Favreau, when when the host asked him about, do we have more from this or can I just paraphrase here? So he was responding to, you know, the host saying, oh, my goodness, you know, what what you found out in your travels across this, this great country about who the swing voters actually are. And he said the 80 million, the 81 million people that showed up to vote against Donald Trump in 2020, which is a, a small percentage of them, as you mentioned, actually follow the news quite closely. Most people who actually vote don't have a preformed political opinion and they're not super ideological. They're not super partisan. They pick between two candidates. And so you see the look on the host's face. But Favreau uh, added that each person in the focus group shown on MSNBC is from Orange County, California. And guess who they all voted for in 2020? Guess who they voted for? Joe Biden. And they said they are undecided about which party they're going to vote for in November. How about that? So he also added that most voters he spoke with believe the media talks too much about January 6th. And they talk too much about Washington politics. And they don't talk enough about the price of rent or the price of food. Hmm. Each voter in the Orange County focus group said they were concerned, however, about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So there's a a little glimpse into what's going on. But, you know, you can just hear the collective screech and eek by, you know, MSNBC, all their hosts, their producers and viewers, perhaps. But I think it it gives us a good sense of things, uh, ironically, from thanks to MSNBC talking about this so i'm always just following the latest for you yes for sure all right we've got to stay on time because i have a lot in store for you thanks to matt desantis our great executive producer so we're gonna we're gonna share with you this heated exchange upcoming right around the corner between senator Rand paul and dr fauci and oh there's so much more it's delicious stay right there 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.